Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. This is a double shot. This is a double header. I play baseball as a double header. Actually, I don't play <laughs> baseball anymore. I used to. You used to. Yeah. And I just found out my nephew. Did you see? Did you see? I did. Yeah, he's, he's he's kind of famous. Yeah, he's kind of famous. He's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I didn't know he's such a big deal. He, I think he just got a scholarship to uh, University of Illinois to play ball. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And yeah, as Mark said, it's a double shot today or double header, whatever he said. Baseball terms. Two games in one, two games in a day. We recorded a podcast earlier today with uh, two business owners. And tonight we're hanging out with one of our friends who I can't even believe hasn't been on the podcast yet for the number of times we have collaborated and done stuff together and worked together. It's bizarre that Tara hasn't been on the podcast yet. We've got Tara Nicole with us. Um, she is a registered massage therapist. She's a manual osteopathic practitioner. She's an international yoga therapist, soon to be lactation consultant and all of these things. So we've got a I lot of that. things to talk about with Tara. I feel like you're, I feel like you're announcing a wrestler coming yeah. down the aisle, coming down the aisle. <laughs> Weighing 302 pounds, hailing from Venice Beach, California. Oh, oh, yeah. that's what it felt like. There might be a little less than 302. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe we could re redo with the weight. Yeah. <laughs> Hogan was weighing at 302 fucking pounds. That's a big man. That's that a, a mountain man. of a man. I thought Brad Norris was a mountain of a man. No, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan does. Uh, so, Tara and and us have worked. How many times have we worked together? So we were at the conference together in 2019, the last in-person Canadian massage conference. And that was the first time I had ever actually heard you speak. I sat in on your lecture that at that conference. And then in 2020, um, were you part of the virtual conference that year? Yeah, you were, right? Yeah. yeah. And then we had Tara as one of our educators for our B3, the B3 conference. conference, the charity conference. You know, there's a clinic in, uh, is it Hamilton, Burlington? There's a clinic somewhere, B3. It's they hilarious. They named themselves I'm B3. Like, I'm yeah. like, I think you stole it. <laughs> I shouldn't say it come afterward. It did relatively new clinic. I yeah. Think, yeah. They stole it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then we just got to work with Tara one more time um, this past September at the Canadian massage conference. It was virtual, but there were a number of us that were live in the studio. We both said, how come we've never done a podcast together? That's weird. <laughs> so here we are finally recording together. So thanks for all of the rescheduling that we had to do, Tara. Oh, I'm so thankful to be on here. Thanks guys for inviting me to come out to chat on a Friday evening when it's black outside. It's yes. the best time to, to be on here when we're heading into winter and there's no other distractions. Do you like winter? I hate winter. I love winter. Are you a cold sports kind of outdoorsy person? Is that she, what it is? She wanted to get a quick hike in before we recorded tonight. So I'm going to say the answer is yes. Yeah. I am a all weather hiker girl. And I actually love that the most about Ontario that we have seasons. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I love the weather. Really? Cold, wet, rainy, sunshiny, snowing. I love it all. See, I, I that's how I know I'm just a fucking grumpy guy. Because <laughs> like bad weather, just like I call it bad weather. And you're like, it's a glorious day. Bad weather just really puts me in a bad mood. Like when it's cold, I'm just angry. When it's wet, I'm angry. When it's cold and wet, forget it. Like I just want to go back to sleep. Part of the problem for you is that you don't like to dress for the weather. No, so no. Yeah. 
if you're dressed for it. So when it's cold and he's not wearing a jacket and I'm like, well, of course you're miserable, dude. The rest of us have parkas and toques on and you're in a hoodie. Yeah, I don't I don't like I don't like getting into thousands of layers. I don't like jackets. I don't like boots. I don't I don't like any of that stuff. I don't like gloves. I don't like scarves. I fucking hate it all. I just need you, to be a summer you kid. Really I, are I'm a summer grumpy kid. guy. Yeah, I am. I am. I'll stop talking now. I'll just be grumpy. To me, it's it's fighting the elements. That's what we call it. We're out there facing the elements. I love it. That's awesome. Did your dog go with you on your hike today? Oh, of course. Yeah. Mojo's here right now. What's up, Mojo? Hanging out. Oh, those of you listening can't see this, but her dog's just chilling with her. (laughs) Actually sitting on the chair, hanging off. Yeah. And I say all that and I say how much we love the weather. And um, at the beginning of this year, we started watching Caribbean life. <laughs> Mark's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we started watching Caribbean life and it's all about people relocating from like Canada and the States to somewhere in the Caribbean. Yep. So for between the uh, price of 200, 400,000 us, you can get a four bedroom home on the beach, no sales tax, no property tax. You is know, this, Mark's going to be leaving like tomorrow. Is this making you want to <laughs> like, mm, let me just, let me get out of here. So here's the plan. So we have decided since we started watching this show that if our new house isn't ready at the end of July, um, when the lease ends on this house, we're going to move to the Caribbean. Really? eh? Spend a month there, see what it's like, see if we really want to live there. Have you lived a lot of other places than where you are now? We actually have. So we've lived in Australia. I go to Africa. My daughter lives out West in Sundry in Alberta. So I go there several times a year. I used to work for an organization called the Yoga Fit. I was a master trainer. So I used to go around all over Canada and the United States teaching trainings. So like I would spend four days in all these different places. And, you know, you think, oh, four days isn't that long. But when you're repeatedly going to the same place for four days, you get to see a lot of each of those places. So, yeah, I feel like. I've gotten to see quite a bit. And then my husband has traveled all over the world for 38 years. I feel bad for you now, Amanda, because I'm not a travel guy. I'm not interested in it at all. I don't know what about it. I just don't care. It's like, I don't know. I don't, I, the same way I know, I don't like to go fucking hiking outside in the cold. Like I just don't, there's just certain things. I just I feel don't. like you haven't tried it. Hiking or, or, or traveling or both. And probably both actually both. I'm a stubborn old dude. And it would just take a lot for me to be like, yeah, let's just go do that. And definitely picking up and and just moving somewhere. Like I'm envious that for me, that would be an anxiety fucking attack right there. Do you know why it's so easy to do, Mark? Because you start realizing that you have a lot of crap that you don't need. (laughs) And by picking up and going somewhere else, you realize how little you need. And so, yeah, I feel like it's really liberating. I like that Mm. part of it because I hate stuff. I'm not somebody that likes a lot of stuff. In my kitchen, like every person has like one water bottle. There's like enough Tupperware for like the things I would tip it. Like, I don't like stuff. You know, I go into some people's kitchens and they've got multiples of everything. Like, no, I have like one of everything. Every person in our home has two sets of bed sheets. So one comes off, the other one goes on. I wash them. When one gets old and ratty, fine. I throw them out and I buy a new, but we don't need multiple sets of bed sheets. Mark and I each have two shower towels. And so one's dirty. The other one, like literally I have four like nice. Many times I've used a hand towel. <laughs> <laughs> That's only, that is only because you forget to bring your towel in. Many a time. I'm like, not because, not not because <laughs> the numbers don't work. 
<laughs> Absolutely not. Fake news. That is because uh, he forgets. He goes into the washroom. I didn't say the reason why I use the hand towel. I know, but I don't want it. People are so funny about towels. When I went out to stay at my daughter's, she has the same thing, just two towels. I didn't know that she didn't want me to use her towel. So I came out of the shower and I go into the bedroom. I get dressed. I come out and Vanessa comes running down the hall. Mom, like what shower did, what towel did you use <laughs> in the bathroom? But he, she's like, oh my gosh, you used our towel. What towel was I supposed to? <laughs> air dry, air dry. Yeah, no, obviously if we have guests, I make sure there's towel. But I mean, in on the regular, I've got very little things. Like, you know how there's yeah. women who've got tons of purses. Like I have three yeah. purses. Like I've got one that's a small purse. So it's when I just need to carry a couple of things. I've got my big, my big ass mom purse. And then I've got like a backpack type bag so that if I'm going somewhere where I don't want to carry something on my shoulder, I've got a bag. Like, that's it. Does your big mom purse have um, have mints in, in Kleenex in it? There, there is Kleenex. And because of you, there are now hard candies in it. He went through our kid's Halloween bag and he pulled out all the little hard candies that he doesn't want them to eat. And he gave them to me and he's like, here, put them in your purse like a mom. So yeah, they're there. <laughs> So yes, my big mom purse has hard candies and tissue and band-aids and nail clippers and snacks, probably. <laughs> awesome. That could be interchangeable with like a massage therapist purse, I feel actually. Yeah. There's nail clippers, there's snacks, there's band-aids. Oh, I have hand sanitizer hand in there. Sanitizer, yeah. <laughs> All the things. All the essentials. All the essentials. Absolutely. So before we get into anything tonight, Tara, um, since you are new to the podcast, which still boggles my mind, um, can you give an introduction for everybody? So a little background on you, how you got into massage therapy, if it wasn't your first career, what you were doing before, and then, you know, which came first, massage or osteo, where yoga fits in. I just, I just want to learn more about you. Yeah, I actually, it's, I've had a crazy career journey. And if I was to say everything I've ever done, it would sound like I was lying. I want to hear all the lies. <laughs> <laughs> so different and varied. At one point, I was an illustrator. I painted murals in the hospital here in St. Joe's Hospital. I painted a mural in the library wall that's still there in Boyne Island in Australia. Um, everything I was ever good at. So I was good at drawing. So I illustrated for a little while. I was, I started working out at a gym and I painted the nursery there for a gym membership and started working out there, uh, Joslin's doing kickbox. And the next thing I knew I was a kickboxing instructor. And then, you know, I, I went from kickboxing instructor to, I became the fitness coordinator and I was fitness coordinator for family fitness and fitness coordinator at premier. And then good life took over family fitness and I became a regional manager. So I was regional manager, trained fitness instructors, taught at camp Fit pro, I became a lifestyle coach from there, became a nutritionist, uh, became a holistic practitioner, thought I'd dabble in yoga. So actually started doing yoga, became a yoga master trainer, um, went from there into uh, Thai massage because it just seemed like the natural progression. Mm -hmm. um, when I was doing Thai massage, I actually started working at a rehab center, doing rehabilitation with Pilates, yoga, and Thai massage, and then um, started working primarily with people that have burn injuries and um, doing rehabilitation with them. And then I needed a billing number. So I became an RMT so that I would have a way that people could bill for my services. 
it just seemed a natural progression to move into osteopathy. I want to pause you there for a second because I know many people who who do that. They become RMTs and then they decide to go into osteo. And I don't feel like I've ever gotten the maybe it's the answer I want, which is not really fair to the other people, but I always want to understand why is that the natural progression? The reason I ask that, I'm not saying that osteo is not the next step for RMTs, but here in Ontario, being that RMTs are regulated, like you said, you have the billing number and whatever. What is it about the osteo program that attracted you thinking this is going to help expand my practice? Because there are thousands of you that had, that did that, you know, became RMTs and then decided I need to go further and do osteo. So what are like us little lowly RMTs here? What are we missing by not doing the osteo? <laughs> and like I say, when I speak at the massage conferences, RMTs are already osteopaths. They just don't know that they're osteopaths. They're doing what we learn as RMTs are all the tools that an osteopath needs. It's just the deeper understanding. So as an RMT, I never actually ever did relaxation or, you know, it always ended up being some sort of treatment. There was a group that I was, every time I went into it, I would narrow down the demographic to their, it was a specific group, specific injuries. I was seeing them all over and over again. And um, all the things I do as an osteopath, I was doing as an RMT. I just didn't fully understand the next step of integration of how could I make this easier for me as an RMT? Sometimes I found I was throwing everything right when I would treat. So I was always looking for how can I make this treatment stick? How can I, how can I find the root cause? And I think as an osteopath, they started taking us or narrowing down the scope of what we were looking at going from very general to very specific. But as RMTs, that gap has closed so much because of the way that we're now training RMTs. So they can come to Con Ed and they can learn joint mobilizations. They're learning, um, you know, all these extra fascial, uh, fascial work and they're um, learning how to do remedial exercise, but more in depth because I think that when we leave school, we have a little bit of everything. So would you say the education then that you got as an osteo, like when you're saying like it's it's going more specific and gaining a better understanding, would you say the education was not better, but well, yeah, better. Was it better? Definitely not better. It was different. So when I went into osteo, I really felt that as an RMT, oh, this was, I was just going to kind of anatomy was already something that I knew. Um, I really, I just wanted the piece of paper that said that I was an osteopath so that I could learn how to do better manipulations. And that was my, that was my whole understanding moving in. But then once I started going in and learning, it's just that, so we learn, we learn to look at the body as, as though we're looking through the layers. So now when I look at someone before I treat them, and I'm looking at the anatomy, I'm thinking, where do I see blood flow impinged? Um, what other things am I seeing? What, what am I seeing in so far as circulation? Um, so um, it's just the next, the next level. And to be honest, sometimes, sometimes always trying to think 
that many steps ahead can get confusing. And I come right back to my RMT and, okay, let's just start with this. So I really believe that RMTs, and I say it all the time, you're already doing everything. (laughs) Sometimes you just don't have the next step understanding in, I would say, integrating the deeper systems. So visceral and um, blood pathways and and neurological neurological changes or impingements. Mm -hmm. But even that is changing as we're at educating them more. I think it's the continuing education. Honestly, I think most of the really, really fantastic RMTs that I know, it's the time and quality of continuing education they've invested in. Because I think the core training, I mean, it's there and they've got the skills, as you said, all the manual skills are there, the knowledge is there, but there Mm -hmm. is sometimes a blockage in being able to uh, critically think their way through things or integrate certain things. And, you know, you have this person in front of you and you're trying to like match the symptoms picture to a textbook, which is a little more difficult. And maybe just this extra training, like this is what I'm hearing for you. This extra training is helping you to actually think a little bit deeper. Like like you said, consider uh, circulation and consider neurology. And yes, we learned that in our training, but we're so focused on soft tissue and joints that maybe those things get a little bit lost. But then there's a lot of therapists who go so above and beyond with the extra training and, and learning that they do, then they have the understanding. So I guess you don't really have to then take this next step, but obviously it's been really, really helpful. I mean, you and Sean Michael both were worked on, you worked on my upper body. He worked on my lower body at the conference. Both of you guys have done both RMT and osteo. And I was like, cool, because none of the treatment hurt from either of you. And afterwards I felt great. Awesome. <laughs> it was so gentle from both of you. Like he was, he was poking in my legs and I thought, I'm going to hate this because I normally don't like to get my legs worked on probably because they need to be worked on. And it was not uncomfortable. And I felt freaking fantastic after. Awesome. I don't think that there's a magic key either. So I think that it comes down to the individual and how they want to treat because Mm -hmm. I've had patients that I've only ever done RMT work on and they get great results. So I think it's just having more tools, if that makes any sense. That makes perfect sense. I think that's probably the answer I was looking for. It's just having more knowledge and more tools. Mm-hmm. But I have to ask you one more question. I'm not being cheeky when I ask this, but I've asked multiple multiple manual osteopathic practitioners. Like, If I were somebody that was not in this realm, can you tell me what you do? And apparently that is a difficult question for somebody who has, uh, is a manual osteopathic practitioner. I guess your scope of practice is really large. It has been something that I've never gotten a clear answer on. No, I make it super simple. My elevator speech is uh, uh, osteopath is actually the bridge between a chiropractor and someone that does visceral and soft tissue. We integrate all the body systems to treat the body as a whole which that's what we do as RMTs. And so I think that, yeah, I don't think it's complicated. I think it's just, we treat the body as a whole and we look for the health that's in the body to encourage the body to heal itself. Anybody can find what's wrong with it, but if you can find what's right and what's working, then you're able to encourage more of that to to enable the body to heal itself. Who said that before? 
finding what's right. Um, Elsie and Julie, remember we had them here? They do matrix repatterning. Right, 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 right. That's, I guess, some of the basis for matrix repatterning. That was a hard one for me to digest here. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody who does that type of work or if you know anything about it, but that was a hard one for me to understand, actually. But that was their whole premise is is trusting the body to heal itself and finding what's right with it versus what's wrong with it. Innately, the body wants to heal itself. It, as RMTs, and we've had people on the table, you know when you'll show them a stretch and say, okay, I just want you to do the stretch. And they're like, that's really weird. Like I do that. Mm -hmm. Innately, your body knows what it needs to do. Sometimes it just needs something released so that it can do it better. Mm. I had a new patient yesterday and um, she's she's got... Uh, general anxiety disorder, like for her to even contact me to make the appointment probably took weeks of her building herself up to do it. Even to go get the referral from the doctor to get massage therapy, that caused her anxiety. So when she got here, I was just trying to make her really, really comfortable. And so we're talking about this injury she had. Now we're going on two years post-injury. So Obviously, there's a lot of layers that we have to go through. And so I started asking her questions just to make her more comfortable. And I said, okay, so uh, what have you been doing in the last two years that makes you feel better? Anything that has worked? And she's like, well, I don't know what to do. I take Advil and I stretch. And I said, okay, show me what you do to stretch. She's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm stretching. I said, I know. I know you haven't seen anybody, but just show me what you're doing that you feel is making it feel better. So I just had her show me some stretches and all I, this was enough to sort of calm her anxiety a little bit. And I was like, well, that makes perfect sense. Like your body was already telling you what to do, like where your injury is, what yeah. type of injury, what you're doing actually makes perfect sense. So you can just trust your body. That makes perfect sense. Do you think someone's got to be really in tune to their body to, to be aware enough to, to, to recognize their body telling them what they need to do? Are you asking me? I'm asking either of you guys. Well, let's let Tara answer. Um, you know what? I don't think so. I think that that's our job as therapists to reintegrate the person's understanding of what their body is telling them mm -hmm. and to allow them to trust that. I think sometimes they just want to hear, just like your patient did, oh, you innately were doing what your body needed you to do. Yeah. And the confidence that that gave her moving out that, oh, like I can trust my body. Sometimes that's all they need to hear. It's going to sound like a dumb question. Did she leave a different person than when she came in? She was much more comfortable. And yeah. she rebooked me um, to see me next week because I told her I wanted to see her like ASAP. Yeah. Um, like I said, this we're dealing with an injury that's going on two years and she's had no any kind of therapeutic intervention at all because she's too anxious to actually see anybody. Do you watch her anxiety drop or you just turn around and it's, it's gone. I could feel it. I could it feel it. I could feel it. She was very, very tense. I, I don't even know how you didn't feel it. Cause she talked to you first when she came in yesterday. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I don't pay attention to, <laughs> to a whole bunch of things. She was very tightly wound when she got here. Very nervous. Um, just it, very different than I know her to be because I know her in a setting outside of this. And mm. so anyway, when she left yesterday, she was much more relaxed. She rebooked for next week. And I think it'll be easier on her to come in next week. So when you're watching the anxiety melts, 
what does that do for you? What does it do for me? It's got to do something. You're seeing the anxiety melt and you must have some sort of emotion attached to what's happening here. And I'm curious what that well, is because none of the shit ever happens to me. It definitely so. just changed the the whole feeling in the room. Like everything just became more relaxed, more comfortable. You know, her body was easier to work with because she wasn't so up to, in the very beginning. I actually had to say to her three or four times, breathe because she was actually just and she told me when she got off the highway here to come here she said it took me until shepherd to realize that i had been holding my breath mm. like that's that was the level of anxiety so a couple of times i had to say to her breathe at the beginning and then by the end of it she was actually just talking to me she was laughing she's telling me better kids like gotcha. it was it was a totally different vibe in the room once she calmed down how does that make you feel when that happens i think the same thing yeah. you can feel the shift and i have had patients say to me so i used to have Right now, I don't, but I used to have two treating rooms because I there's only me there. I don't have a receptionist. I had trained my patients to come down and go into the room and lie on the table and wait. I would text them before, whether you have room one or room two. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of my day, I would just send out like one, two, one, two. So everybody would come down and go in and get on the table. And um, I more than once had patients say to me, they would pay me just to come in and lie, lie on the table. I didn't even have to come in. As soon as they said they walked down the stairs, they smelled the room and they came in and heard the music and the room was dim and they went in and they lied down. They said immediately they could feel their stress releasing. And to me, that was the perfect setup because by the time I got in there, they were already relaxed. They were chill. And yeah. that was like all of those elements, all of those factors, all of those variables how intentional on your side was it? It's like, I'm going to play this kind of music. I'm going to have this type of lighting. I'm going to have this type of smell in this place. Was was a lot of that calculated? Yeah, all of it is. That's what I like. <laughs> when I go somewhere, that's what I, I like. The smell of the music and the dim lighting. All of I like that. I don't know. My practice is just really different than you guys. That's why all of this shit always, always amazes me. I have to tell you, Mark, I so I have Google in the room. And um, when patients first come in, so if I haven't met them before, um, I play what I want, which is like indie dinner music or indie rainy day or indie coffee house is actually my indie favorite. coffee house is my favorite. Oh my That's God. my we favorite. Were, we were destined to be friends, Tara. Of course, it's your favorite. <laughs> uh, so I'd have that playing. But if I feel that a patient can't relax, I will say to them, what's your favorite song? And whatever their favorite song is, I'll play. Hmm. And so one day I had been playing like heavy metal music for a patient. And then a patient came in that had never met me before. And he (laughs) came in and I didn't change the music. I kind of just forgot. And I treated him and he laughed. And when he came back, he said, I had different music playing. So when he came back, I had my indie music on. And he was like, like, where's the rock? And I said, oh, if that's your favorite music, I'll put it on. He goes, that's not your favorite music? I was like, no, I was I was just playing that pay- music for the patient before you. He was actually so disappointed. He came <laughs> back because he thought that like I was a metal chick. He just thought that was so great that a, a therapist would be playing rock music in there. Oh, I, I have a story about that. I was treating one time on site. I had a corporate contract somewhere. And at the time, this was like early in my career. So this is like almost 10 years ago. And I had, you know, this old school iPod and I 
gave it to Mark and I said, can you put some of your massage playlists on this iPod? So I basically gave all <laughs> control to Mark. I didn't even choose. I just said, put some playlists on this Probably so I can bring playlist. it with me when I go to these, uh, these corporate um, jobs that I have. So anyway, I'm in the room. I'm not even paying attention to the music, right? I just put, I plug in the iPod on my little dock when I got there and I'm playing it. So this guy comes in for his treatment, About halfway through the treatment, he like puts his head up out of the face cradle and he stares at me, which by the way, I mean, any therapist listening to this, you know how uncomfortable that is, right? When somebody <laughs> just suddenly looks at you, like, why are you but not even from supine? Yeah, like, why are you prone, looking at me? <laughs> Let me pull my head out, stare at you. He pulls his head up and he looks at me and he goes, Ozzy Osbourne. And I was like, pardon me? Dreamer, like, out of no, yeah, yeah, yes. He's like, Ozzy Osbourne. I'm like, what? What, like, what do you? I was so confused. And he said, Are you playing Ozzy Osbourne right now? Yeah. And when he said it, I thought he was saying it in like a negative way because, like, he looked really like serious. And so I was like, Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, my husband made these. And he's like, No, that's awesome. And then he put his head back down. <laughs> right? right. I was like, Oh, okay. The rock playlists are the most fun to make, by the way. And you've got certain highlights that happen. Like there's certain Billy Joel songs that come on. I'm like, yeah, I could. I've been waiting for this one all day long. And then, you know, and then you have like a hard, a hardcore group that plays a, a, a ballad. And it's, it's just fucking fabulous. I love, I love playing. To, to I like all the, uh, I, I have a few of your playlists in my treatment room right now. And I like all of the um, like Pearl Jam songs that you've put on there. Oh, yeah. I literally start like kind of dancing around the table. <laughs> Awesome. But I also like to when I'm getting treatment though, I just I, I like to work to that. And I love it when my patients dig it because most of them do, and that's part of the reason probably why they're there. Um, but I really love when I go somewhere else and I'm getting something that I wouldn't pick for myself. I enjoy that. Yeah. I really do. I yeah, I, I don't I don't walk in there going, mm, I want to hear my stuff. I go in there, I'm like. I would have never freaking thought to play this in my life and enjoy it. And I'm just going to go with it. And then they turn, it turns out to be a really good experience most of the time. Yeah. It creates a different atmosphere. I went and got treatment. Um, probably it was probably just before COVID at uh, the clinic that I used to work at. I just called them one day randomly because I had a gap in my day and I was like, you got anybody available? So it was a therapist. I didn't know. She started working there after I left and halfway through the massage, I said to her, like, what are you playing right now? She's like, oh, it's just a playlist I created. It was all really like old school R&B music. Yep. And I was like, oh, I this love is that. so awesome. Like I, I was so in love with her playlist. I'm like, yeah. this is great. I just don't like like birds chirping and waterfalls. <laughs> I don't like that stuff. Even when I'm getting treated as well. Like when I'm, I'm lying on the table and I'm thinking to myself, God, I really wish you would do this right now instead of what you're doing. And then I've learned to just let that fucking go, Mark. Just let yeah. it go. Let me just go with what's going on here. And then I walk out going, that was great. I would have never done that to myself ever. I wouldn't have thought to do that to myself. I wouldn't have thought that would have made me feel the way it's making me feel right now. And I'm so happy that I didn't try to 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 be overbearing and control the situation. Tara, wasn't it was it you that was telling me you like to get treatment from random people for that reason? Yeah. That you? Yes, that was you. Tell yeah. Mark about that. She doesn't have a regular therapist. I understand. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I I like not being known as well. I know that's probably with you guys too. If if you go in and they know that you're a therapist, I feel like it kind of sets this whole other vibe, right? They feel like you're judging their treatment or, or if I get a new therapist, they'll always ask, like, 
Should I, uh, do you want me to, or should I be doing this or how would you approach this? And it's like, I just don't want to think that's why I'm on your table. You do your job. I'm just going to lay here. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I get yeah. a lot of RMTs. Like a lot of majority of my clients are, are actually other therapists. So it's weird for me to hear this. It's, but it, the therapists that are coming to see you, um, regard you probably differently like they like in other words i feel like i don't know i don't even i don't think i don't think that they would not want you to know they're a therapist because i think the therapists that come to see you they respect you and they know what no, you no, do no. and they a lot of them have taken courses from you you know what i mean they know what you do so they're not going to be like chatting and telling you what to do or you know how would you do they're not going to do any of that they just want to see how you treat they want to pick things up from you it's different like i understand what tara's yeah. saying like i've gone into places like i've gone sometimes i'll like book an appointment at like a massage addict or something if it's a last minute appointment i'm like where can i get a last minute treatment because i've got like my go-to people yeah. but i know that if it's a last minute thing i'm not going to get them right so sometimes i'll just call a random clinic like i even just google like massage clinics near me and see what comes up and I'll call there and I understand not wanting them to know you're a therapist because I've gone to places where once they know I'm a therapist, then they just talk to me about massage the whole time. And I'm like, you realize like all I do is talk about massage all day. It's weird to hear that other therapists do that because I'm the one typically doing the treatment and I don't do that. Does that make sense? You do I make sense now? You don't do that. But again, I yeah, said yeah, yeah, you're yeah. a little different. It, you're it, an it. educator, right? Like I'm sure that if I was getting treatment from Tara, she wouldn't be asking me my thoughts she would just treat how she treats yeah. some of the best stuff i've had done too is by someone that i would like i went to go see a massage therapist and she was busy and she says oh i have another therapist that you can see i thought i was going to see an rmt and this other therapist takes me into into a treatment room and does this whole thing and I, as i'm on the table i'm like hmm like mm, I would, uh, hmm, that's interesting. Like just kind of nothing that I would have thought. Is this the one that suddenly jumped up on the table? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, and then and then and then and then I got barefoot, and then that was that was cool. But I mean, at the I, like, she wasn't an RMT. I didn't know that. Bottom line is like I think some of the best body work I've had done is by someone that's not registered, not licensed, does just does body work, and I'm like that's fucking great because they're just doing it. They're I don't not know how to thinking. find enough people that, that are like that. Though. I think sometimes it's fun just to try other things, just to see how they approach the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you said, it's always wow. I I wouldn't have done that. And there's also then I've also walked away and been like ah oh, yeah. They shouldn't be doing that. But that's why the conference was so interesting. Like at times, Tara and I were just sitting behind the scenes as other presenters were going up and we were, we were saying this exact thing. Like, oh, that's it. like, she said to me at one point, it's interesting to watch people who, you know, work with the body in more of a mechanical fashion versus her more of a holistic practice. You know what I mean? Like it was interesting to her to see that type of approach because that's completely opposite from mm. the way that she approaches mm. things. I meant to ask this when you were doing your introduction, Tara, what is a yoga therapist? Yeah. So it's only been since 2017 that we're now recognized in Canada. So in 2012, I traveled to the States and did my an addendum. So I was a 500 hour EYRT yoga teacher. And I went to the States and did my 400 hour yoga therapy continuum to then um, write my board exam in the States to be a yoga therapist. So a yoga therapist just integrates some forms of manual therapy, 
Um, the Thai massage was part of it. Uh, I'm also trauma informed. So putting together kind of psychotherapy, yoga psychotherapy for people with post-traumatic stress, anxiety disorders. Um, so it's like a whole therapy program, a modality for um, a therapeutic approach. And in the States, it was recognized in 2010, um, 2012, they had set up a whole international association of yoga therapists. In Canada, the therapist title was so protected, they weren't allowed to use that. So I had to say I was a um, 900 EYRT with yoga therapy designation, which is a lot to put on a business card. That is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Then in 2017, uh, they became recognized here in Canada and were grandfathered into the program. So you, I know you're an educator. We're going to get to that. Obviously, you know, I mentioned that at the beginning, the reason we know each other is because of conferences and you doing um, some education and you also have a clinical practice. Mm -hmm. So if somebody were to, let's say I were to book an appointment with you, are your services separated? Like would I be saying to you, I want to book a massage appointment or an osteo appointment or a, you know, yoga therapy appointment, or do you do sort of an intake with a person and then decide and create a treatment plan based on what the two of you discuss and what you think they need? So kind of like that, it all depends on why they're approaching me to start with. So in our first initial conversation, we'll come out whatever whatever they're looking for. So I only have a referral-based practice. So I only take people that are referred, whether it's from a patient that has sent me a referral, or I have three pediatricians, two uh, pediatric dentists, um, and a few chiropractors, and they refer directly to me. So depending on who has referred them, um, will be like, is it for therapeutic as far as you know, are, are we rehabbing something or are we looking at integrating, you know, a whole body approach? So, yeah, it's always hard to tell. Sometimes I start, it doesn't matter in yoga therapy. We, we often talk about whether it's top down processing or bottom up. So whether we start with more meditation, breath work, integrating mantras, whether we start with resetting their nervous system or whether I start with unwinding their physical traumas um, or rehabbing their body, whatever key that we use to get into the body is what we'll use. So whatever is most easily accessible to me, if that makes any sense, because sometimes people are walled off. They can't feel what's happening in their body because there's so much else happening in that nervous system. And that's where we have to start. There's no sense in even starting with the body when, you know, they're in such a high state of alert all the time that they can't, they can't physically relax or lie on my table. So it's whatever key it takes to get in. And how, how many hours a week are you in clinical practice? Like, are you still working full time as a therapist? I am, but I'm really lucky. So um, as of this week, I hired an assistant. All right. <laughs> yeah, I am so excited about it. So um, I hired an, another osteopath and she's going to start. Initially, she said one day a week. Um, but after I filled her one day a week until January, she's like, all right, maybe two days a week. So now we have her two days a week filled. Um, 
Yeah. So I'm hoping that she can take some of my maintenance patients off my plate so that I can continue to take these hard cases that aren't, aren't getting any relief anywhere else. And also I have a a really full baby practice. And so, and babies are patients that need to come sometimes every three days, Mm -hmm. sometimes every day if they're not pooping. And so I need to have these holes in my schedule so that I can say, come tomorrow again. Um, and right. And, and up until now, I haven't been able to do that. I've been working through lunch hours in the evenings, although I said I wasn't going to do that. And I'm back to working seven days a week. You're you're a can't say no kind of person, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. We need to work on that. <laughs> Why? Why do we need to work on that? Maybe she likes that. Maybe she's like, it's all about the work and therefore. You know if I mean? she loves it, she can do it. Yeah, work. I do love it. But Mark, but I I do have to have better boundaries um, because it comes back to that whole, if you don't put your own mask on, you know, if you're so physically exhausted, you're really no help to anyone. So I have to keep that in mind too. But I, I do like to be really busy and I'm understanding there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I mean, and that is why we had such a fun time even scheduling us to do this podcast <laughs> because I would text Tara and say like, Hey, can I call you at four? She'd be like, yeah, no problem. Then she texts me at four. I'd be like, sorry, I took a last minute patient. And then it would be like, okay, I'll talk to you later. And anyway, this went back and forth for, I don't know, weeks. Wait, wait, wait. Cause I know someone's listening to this going, how the hell did she score all these medical referrals? Oh yeah, I was going to ask you that. Did you get that going on? Someone's listening right now going, I want to have a busier practice. I've tried to make the the connections. I've tried the networking. I've tried this and it's just not going anywhere. Tell us how you did that. All right. Because I do actually get asked that quite often. And I think it's in being confident in your abilities and approaching approaching the people that can help you best. So because I have only a referral based business and it was growing quite quickly just with patients. And I do think that there's something in making it seem elusive, right? Because people would want to bring me people and I'd be like, well, you can bring me someone, but only like, remember, I only have so much time. So only bring me people that really need help. And so they really felt they were helping someone by bringing someone to me. And so it felt like it was this whole, like they were doing something great for someone. And that, that person was so grateful that they got in to see me that they would ask, well, I know someone, is it okay if I bring that person? So I didn't mean for it to happen like that, but it, it really did fill my practice really quickly. And then because a lot of them weren't getting much help from their Western doctors, but they were getting so much help from me and they would talk to their doctors about it, that their doctors started to get a little curious. So, so when a doctor is sending someone to you, well, what ended up happening was the doctors, these doctors that ended up coming to me were curious about how I was helping their patients. But were they, were, were these patients that were kind of like, nothing's working. Let's just try this thing out. Yep. They were hard cases. So then what ended up happening was the doctors booked appointments with me. And so I met the doctors and then when they saw what I could do, 
then they were like, Can, we're going to use you to refer patients to. Mm, so go. that's how it opened up. So I really feel like it's, you need to be, first of all, stay in your groove. I was the first to say to those doctors, I don't diagnose and I don't give medical opinions. What I do give people is a better understanding of what's not working in their bodies. I'm not telling them or giving them a diagnosis or, and then by working with what is working in their bodies, we were able to find relief for them and eventually a better way of life. Mm. And so the doctors were like, well, I have a sore back. Can you help me with my sore back? And I'm like, absolutely. I can try. And so because I was able to help them with things that were bothering them, they then believe. Was there any resistance? Like, mm, you know, I'm already going in there thinking none of this crap is going to do anything for me. Was there any of that or was it everyone just kind of like really op optimistic and hoping that they're actually going to get some relief versus proving that this is nonsense? Yeah. So some of them were um, uh, hard, hard cells, right? Like some of them did come in and they were like, you know, the reason I've come is because you told my patient <laughs> that their osteoarthritis in their back was more due to a misalignment and the inability for the body to create good flow in those areas. And now that they're, they had an understanding of that, now they suddenly, they don't have much pain, but I think what you don't understand is that the arthritis is still there. So I just explained to them, I understand that the arthritis is still there. I don't think I cured their arthritis. <laughs> yeah. I never told them the arthritis was gone. What I explained to them was arthritis happens when there is a misalignment and the inability of the body to move nutrients in and out. And so fluid stagnates in areas, creates uneven lines of pull, hardening and fibrotics of tissues surrounding that area, which has caused degeneration. And that if we can create motion and movement, that they will have less pain. That the, the pain that they're feeling is the lack of articulation and motion in that area. That's what they're feeling is the inability for the body to move past it. And so they were like, that's interesting, right? That's interesting. That explanation that just also tied back to this deeper understanding going into osteo, because I remember in massage school learning about osteoarthritis and being told by my instructors, when somebody has osteoarthritis, you need to work through the pain, exercise through the pain, keep moving, right? It's like this counterintuitive thing. It hurts when I move, but you got to keep moving. And there's that deeper understanding is understanding why the movement is important and yeah. how to get that person to feel safe moving. I think it's an understanding that if there's pain in motion, then something is misaligned. And so just going back to that same area, looking for misalignment is a waste of time. There's something more that we need to look at in the structure that's causing this misalignment, right? So it's, I think it's just in the understanding that we tend, so I think that that's one thing I was going to say. As an RMT, we are taught pathologies and um, and different labels for different diseases within the body. As an osteopath, we're not taught 
um, to delve deeply into disease because we're not allowed. So as, as an RMP, I could say, you might have osteoarthritis, you should go back and see a doctor. As an, uh, and so there's some level of um, Western medicine integrated into it, if that makes any sense. But as an osteopath, I'm not allowed to say that. So instead, when people tell me a diagnosis that their doctor has told them, Instead, I would say to them, I have no doubt that that's what's happening, but what we need to look at is why is it happening? So that's the difference between an RMT and an osteopath. Like I can, I can walk you through what is creating the dysfunction as opposed to labeling what the dysfunction is. Mm -hmm. But I believe that all RMTs can do that. They just don't, because our training as an RMT is just a little bit different. We have, we learn all these pathologies and we label them. I think as an RMT, our language is a little bit different. And so in that we feel more restricted, even though we, we might say what I just said. Um, I think we don't feel like we can because we weren't taught to speak like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think RMTs are listening to this kind of thing right now? Newer RMTs going, that's fucking intimidating. Like, how do you know all this stuff? How did you? Well, who wouldn't be intimidated by Tara? Because <laughs> there's, there's, I, I, I know some. They're just sitting there going, I, where, huh? Like, how, where did I would have? I can't get there. I don't know how to. No. I don't even know where to go to get there. Well, to new so RMTs, tell them how to get there. To new RMTs, Tara can tell them how to get there. But to new RMTs, I will say what we've recently said. You're doing um, good shit. You're doing good shit because when you first yeah. start, you know, as Tara said, you're you already have the manual skills. You have the knowledge. The language might be a little bit different, but you're doing stuff that is actually creating some change. You're making a difference. You're having some effect on people's bodies. And maybe there are deeper, deeper levels of understanding that aren't there, but that is why continuing education exists. And whether you decide to become a manual osteopathic practitioner or just do some continuing education to gain more understanding of um, different systems or different pathologies or, you know, uh, the nervous system or whatever it is, there's other things you can do that will help you to have different tools. Because that's, that's as Tara said, that's all it is. It's just increasing the tools that you have to work with the body in front of you. And I mean, I've, I've not done anything. Yes, I have a degree in kinesiology and then I have my RMT, but I haven't, you know, I, I'm not an osteopath. I don't do visceral manipulation. I haven't done any training in cranial sacral. I have, you know, none of that kind of thing, but majority of my patients will tell you when they come in, they tell me what they've got going on. I assess to my best knowledge of the body and what I can feel that's going on and we get to work and we go through the treatment plan and majority of them have really great outcomes. And when I don't feel that what they have going on is within my skill set or within my scope of practice, well, then I'll refer them to somebody like Tara. And man, I wish I knew you in 2017 when I had a super colicky baby. I took her, I mean, I took her to some great people. Don't get me wrong. They did help. But um, by the sounds of everything you're saying, you you have a pretty uh, pediatric focus right now. I do have a really big pediatric practice. Like I said, I have a bunch of doctors and um, pediatric dentists and two pediatricians that refer. I think that what we need to understand, especially as RMTs, is that medicine is changing and doctors are becoming more integrative. 
And they are understanding that, that it takes a team to create wellness for somebody. And it truly comes down to their belief and how they feel um, with that practitioner as well. Mm -hmm. So if they go to their RMT and they're doing myofascial release for them and they come out of there and say, I have no pain after that, then that is the treatment for them. Yep. <laughs> you, you don't need to know anything more than that. You just need to know it's not just your treatment. It's you. It's the energy that you bring to your practice. It's the environment that you practice in. There's so much more to healing than just what's being done to the body. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we say that all the time to people that come in here, right? Especially new grads, that you're not the best therapist there is. There's probably somebody technically better than you two blocks over. Your patients come to you because you're you. They want to see yeah. you. They like what you do. And, you know, I had, um, I have a patient that I've, I've only been seeing for a few months. She was a, a referral from one of my regulars. And when she came to see me, she was already seeing a physiotherapist for um, the condition that she came to see me for. And after I think our fourth treatment together, she sent me a text message and she's like, wow, you're magical. I don't know how you did that. You know, I've been going. And there was nothing magical that I did, like absolutely nothing, but something about her and I worked and we work well together and she's feeling great. And I'm like, well, that's great. But there was nothing magical that I did. And I probably did things less technically technical than the physiotherapist did, <laughs> but it worked. So that's all yeah. that matters, right? Honestly. It's whatever works for the patient. Absolutely. Yeah. How the heck do you have time to teach with all of this going on, working seven days a week? I book it in. I book it in far enough in advance that it's there. And then once it's there, I, yeah, I have the space. I'm not a good short notice girl just because I am busy. But um, if I know in advance, I can always book stuff in. Yeah. I love educating because I want people to have the benefit of what I've taken the time to learn so that they don't have to start from the beginning. Right. And I believe that that's our job is to get educated and then to reach back and educate as many people as we can with the information that we have so that there are enough people out there continuing that work. Because I don't think that what I do is the best of what I do, but I believe it's a good start. And so they'll take it away and they will make it their own and that will make it even better. And then hopefully they'll take what they learn and they will share that with somebody else because that's how we get better. I think you're literally the nicest person I've ever met. <laughs> no. What don't you like? How about that? <laughs> what don't you like? Tell me, yeah. tell me something you hate. No. We like all seasons. She likes all the seasons. She likes all the people. All the therapies, all the things. You're like Animals, the most. You're like the most positive person I've ever met, which is probably why she is very happy to work seven days a week because mm. you're just a happy, happy person. <laughs> so really, what gets you angry? I'm curious. Yeah, I'm thinking that because that's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't. I can't. You know what? Let me think about that because I actually don't know what makes me feel angry chill life i don't know but what, like what that chill life is like but this this is when i realized like tara is one of the most positive people i've ever met the last time we were together she had mouth pain 
And as both of both Mark and I have both just had some major dental work done and some major mouth issues. And like we were fucking miserable. And you were yeah. just such a delight to hang out with that day. She, you know what she did? She brought her coffee and her soup and they were just sitting and pork poor girl was starving and she just let her soup sit there and i'm like why aren't you having lunch because we're all eating lunch she's like i have to let or was it chili it was chili she's like chili. I, I have to let the chili get cold because of my tooth sensitivity right now i can't eat hot foods but she was still like so pleasant and patient i'm like man i would be angry <laughs> i would be so pissed right now because i can't eat my chili and she's like i just have to let it get cold <laughs> all right <laughs> I don't know, man. I have so much sympathy now for people when they tell me that their mouth hurts. I'm like, I get it. I can't buy this. Were you always like nothing got you upset? Is this just you or this is something that had to develop because of whatever? I do think that it had to develop because I used to be really impatient. Was this a conscious thing that you that you wanted to change? You're like, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to work on this thing that I don't like being impatient. I'm going to work on it. Or did you just like do it? I don't know. Was it a conscious decision? I don't know if it's just a combination of all the yoga therapy that uh, when I was learning um, all the different courses that I had to learn, it was a lot of self-work. <laughs> and so I don't know if it was just going through that process of getting to know myself. I am a work in progress. There's, uh, you know, what is hard for me sometimes is when uh, um, someone will question um, whether I'm whether I know what I know, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time with that when I'll explain something to someone and they're not quite at the level that I'm saying it at. And they'll say, Oh, but, but what about, okay. So for instance, if a patient comes in and says to me, so I have like a couple things, my ankle sore, my knee, my hip, I don't think it's related, but my arm and the back of, but I don't think, you know, those are separate issues. If you just look at my knee and my hip today, I'd be good. And so I'll get them to stand up and I'll say to them, well, I can see that you have a scoliosis. So I'm pretty sure that your knee and your hip and your shoulder and your head are all related. So most likely, if I work on the hip and your back, your knee pain and your neck and shoulder pain should go away and they'll still like keep pointing at their shoulder, you know, like you're treating the hip and the leg and they'll still like, yeah. So like that hurts like right here. You no. Know, and I'll explain to them it's supraspinatus and that muscle is meant to hold your shoulder up. And so right now your lattice pulling your scapula down, which is then pulling down on the top of your shoulder. And that's why your neck hurts. But honestly, if you just let me work down here and the whole time I'm working, they're talking about their shoulder. That does bug me. Mm. Let me do my job, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, yeah, like you came to see me because Dr. Google wasn't helping you. And right now, like you're just irritating me. <laughs> <laughs> she can get irritated. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. So Tara, we, we know you. 
as like the pelvis person, you know, like the the yeah. talk that I first sat in on with you was talking about um, low back pain in the pelvis. You've done yeah. talks for us about the pelvis at the conferences. You've done talks about the pelvis. How did this become like your area? I mean, now that I know that you've got this huge pediatric focus and you, you know, look at the, you treat the body as this whole holistic approach. When did you start zoning in on the pelvis as this missing link that all of us uh, need to know about? Because that's been what I've known you for, for the last few years. Yeah. I think because nobody was treating it because it was this whole zone that, you know, we have to get special consent for, and people are so reluctant when someone comes in and says, you know, it hurts when I sit. Um, so when I go to stand up, I have to stand up slowly. And as massage therapists, we're just treating the back. And then we come down and, you know, we treat the hamstrings and we, we're so nervous about treating adductors. So we don't get into the adductors. We go down the leg, we turn them over. Maybe we, um, go down the front of the, the quadricep, usually no, because, you know, I just found that people were so nervous about even just doing a little bit of visceral work and the pelvis is a bowl. So if we think about, you know, the spine sits on a bowl. So if the bowl is moved in certain directions, that's what's affecting the spine, which like, so it just felt like it, the middle of the body is the pelvis and the spine. Everything else kind of falls off of those two areas. And nobody's touching anything in the adductors or, you know, other than piriformis. Everybody's hammering piriformis. And I'm like, ah, oh, piriformis actually is just the driver of the sacrum. So we're not looking at like the deeper muscles that are causing issues that are actually chronically tight because as a society we sit mm -hmm. so I was like how do I give permission for people to understand that when they're in and treating these areas we're we're not actually in an area that we shouldn't be in like it's not as scary I think as as people feel that it is or as it doesn't it's not uncomfortable it doesn't need to be uncomfortable and so that's why I started talking about it more and more. I think I told you I'm doing my lactation consultants. Yeah. And that all came about because I um, do a lot of work in Africa. And um, I was lucky enough uh, the last time before I went to have gifted to me um, a pelvic floor course for midwives um, for birthing babies. And so when I went to Africa, I was like, I don't really know why I've taken this course. I'm probably never going to do internal work. It's way outside of my scope of practice here in Canada, but in the bush in Africa, it's not. And so my practice got a lot deeper there. Um, and then I was able to help and share with them so much information that I had learned here. So um, the same sort of thing came up with the lactation consultant here. Um, I do a lot of work with pediatrics. Because of that, I'm seeing a lot of breasts mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm checking a lot of latches. And I was like, I actually don't have a certificate for latching and unlatching a baby, which 
yeah, I should probably get. <laughs> so that's why I'm doing that one. But in saying that, it's a 95-hour course. I'm more than um, halfway through it. And then I'll be doing my practicum hours um, at a lactation clinic in um, Dundas. But there was just so much I didn't even know. So I'm so glad that I took this course. It's opened my eyes to so many things. And it's, it's changing already how I'm treating osteopathically with pediatrics. And so I've been trying to share as much of that information as I can with other osteopaths so that they're deepening their practices only because more of us should know this information and not everybody, I guess, wants to go get the extra schooling and I have. And so I really feel like my job is to share it. That's fantastic. 95 hours. I would do that. I had such a great experience with a lactation consultant. So when I had my first child, um, breastfeeding kind of seemed to come really easy to me, which I was shocked about because I was expecting it to be torture. You know, you hear all these stories of like, oh, in the beginning it's painful or they can't latch or there were so many things that I was expecting to go wrong. And the latch seemed to be okay right away. Like everything seemed to come very naturally. I mean, unfortunately I had other issues where I had issues with uh, milk production and whatever. And so I had to deal with that. But when my second baby came along, I wasn't even concerned. I was like, oh, I've done this before. No problem. Easy peasy. And then it was a disaster. Everything I was scared of the first time happened the second time. She wasn't latching properly. It was painful. Like it was just torture. And she's screaming and I'm crying. And it was, it was horrible. So yeah. I didn't want to try to just endure this. I was like, something isn't going right. And I obviously can't figure out what it is. So very early, she was probably like, I don't know, seven weeks old, maybe. Um, I contacted the uh, the breastfeeding clinic here in Toronto and I got an appointment and the lactation consultant that I met with, it was literally like within the first 45 seconds of meeting her, like she fixed all my problems. <laughs> she literally just changed like one small thing about how I was holding her and how I, anyway, it was the the easiest fix, but it was something I didn't know. And she was such an expert. And literally in less than a minute, I was like, where have you been all my life? Like, if I, I was just in pain for seven weeks and I didn't need to be. And then everything was better. So yeah. I, I love that. I would do that. 95 hours. I would do that. You should do it. You know what I have found most of all is that a lot of times when new parents come to me, I end up working on the latch and helping them breastfeed. And that wasn't even inside my scope of practice at that time. And like you said, it was the qu the quickest, easiest thing to fix. It gave everybody so much relief. Yep. Like the husband comes, the wife is next to tears, the baby is screaming. Yep. And within five minutes, the baby's nursing, the dad is relaxed, the mother is sitting back. And I'm like, that just makes my whole day. So, yeah. It was magical. It is. Do you ever want to stop learning stuff? And I don't even mean that in a funny way. I'm just curious. Do you ever want to stop learning stuff? Never. Do you ever want to stop learning stuff? No. I mean, why would you want to stop I learning things? I just mean like I think I'm getting to the point where 
I want to stop learning stuff. I, I don't even mean that in a funny way. I don't way. believe you because we, you literally have a new idea for a new project. But a new every idea for a new day. project isn't about learning but stuff. It, but it is because I'm, every I'm, time we start something new, it involves you I learning a like, whole new skill set. I just mean I'm, I'm finding that I'm as, as, as the days go by, I want to turn all this stuff down. And turn something else up. You, but it's it's like still, I don't want to. I don't want. You know what I mean. I don't want to. It's still learn learning though. Anymore. You're just. You know you what just I mean. Just want I, to maybe take less courses and you know more less formal yeah. education. But like I said, you with this whole new you know, project that you have coming up, you know it's going to be. Yes, I understand what when you're it saying. Comes this, it's going to be a whole comes, new learning. When it comes curve. to this therapy stuff, I feel honestly, I'm feeling like I think I'm almost had enough of learning about stuff. I think I'm getting to that point of learning about therapy and the body. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean when I say learning stuff. I don't mean stuff in general. Yeah. But for you guys, you don't see it, you don't see it going away. Well, it's not it's I'm not necessarily saying, "Oh, I want to keep learning about the body and learning about therapy," but like learning stuff. So, you know, a couple of years ago when I decided I wanted to do that doula training, Tara will tell you, I could have been a doula without going to the doula training. I have the skills. It was already there. Yeah. I just wanted to do the training and make sure I fully understood and understand the experience of attending a birth. And I got to attend a birth. And, you know, as she's talking about the lactation consultant thing, I'm like, yeah, I would learn that. That's that's kind of cool just to help people. Um, whether it's about the body or not, I feel like if you're not learning something, then then what are you doing? Yeah, I know. That's what you're what are you doing? I don't know. I think I'm just hitting a point. I think I'm hitting a point. I would love to believe you, but you're always doing something new. <laughs> I'm hitting a point. I'm hitting a point when it comes to therapy. I might just want to want to turn that volume down. And the therapy's talk for me is so much. It's just like it's it's nonstop. It's because of what we do for work, right? And for what we do for work, it's not just us doing courses and creating content, but then it's also engaging with other people in social platforms. And I'm just like, I think I'm just losing my mind a little bit because <laughs> it's not, it, it's just, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop because it's what we do for work. And you talk what about we massage do, all day. Yes. <laughs> yes. And part of my job is to, like, like these clowns that are, no, I shouldn't say clowns, but these people that are up on Facebook and, and having Facebook wars, it makes me chuckle a little bit. I was talking to a buddy of mine on Facebook earlier and he's like, tell them to go have a beer. Just go have some fucking fun. Do something. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here because this is my job to, to be here and kind of, kind of do this kind of stuff. I think I'm just getting to an OD maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I think I just yeah. I'm having a I'm having a breakdown on this podcast. He he might actually be the other the other week we were driving up north and um, you might not know this about us Tara but we Mark and I very often fantasize about leaving Toronto. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to live here forever. And we talk about living in different places. We go from living in maybe smaller cities to living like completely rural, like we're all over the map. Um, not traveling though, because as Mark said, he doesn't like to travel. We're not going to go to like Africa or anything like you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but he talks about going to different places and, and moving outside of Toronto. Anyway, so we're driving through the country one day and we were just showing the kids, like, imagine living in, like, you know, all of this land and, you middle know, look at, in the middle of nowhere, no look at these neighbors. farms. And as we're doing that, Mark's like, yeah, and then I would have this big garage and I can go back to school and I can become a mechanic and I'll just it's work different. on cars and motorcycles all day. Yeah, see, like, that's what I'm talking about. So he's, yeah, you're you're having a midlife crisis. No, you know happening. what, it, I, I, have, I have a new project on my mind. And it's all it's all massage related. Like all this stuff is always going to be massage related, but it allows me 
to step back from having to do all of the 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 legwork. And I think I'm looking forward to making this thing fucking come to life really, really fast. And we'll be in that contact with can, you, Tarek. We're going to need you. Yeah, that way I can get out of doing the legwork because I think I'm sick of doing the legwork. I'm sick of creating course content. I'm sick of delivering that course content that I created. I'm sick of having to do the the market. I'm, ju- I'm just getting sick of doing the legwork. And so the new project is no legwork for me. It's getting other people to do the legwork. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to fucking telling people what to do. Apparently. <laughs> Maybe that's what Apparently. this is. Maybe that's what this is. Oh, man. We should always be evolving and moving forward. Yes. I think it was six years ago, seven years ago, I hired a cleaner because I was like, I could clean my house or I could take that time and go for a hike. Yep. Enjoy something other than what I do. I made it sound horrible. Like I don't enjoy it. Like I love doing it. I I just need to slow that down. Like I'm I'm slowly getting out of love. But it is making sense what Tara's saying because sometimes you just need to create more time to do the stuff that you want to do by having people do the stuff that you don't need to do anymore. No, I get that. I get that. Yeah. But I just mean like the majority of things, like like when I'm saying the the legwork, like I enjoy that legwork. Like if I had a chance to sit down and like put my feet up and do nothing for two hours or yeah. edit a podcast for two hours, I would pick editing you will podcast always edit because the I podcast. enjoy <laughs> editing the podcast, right? So a lot of the legwork I enjoy doing, but I'm just really looking forward to not having to do it anymore. Absolutely. I'm making zero sense. I today. will say, Tara, about hiring the cleaner. I'm so happy for you. I no longer have a cleaner and we used to have one. And when we had one, there was always a part of me that felt guilty, which was, that was totally on me. There was no reason to feel guilty, but there was also part of me that felt guilty because I was like, well, why am I spending the money to pay someone to clean my house when I could do it? Like I have the time I could do it. And I remember it was actually, we were talking about Mark's famous nephew. It was, um, my sister-in-law, your brother's wife was the person who made me decide, no, I'm keeping this cleaner. She said, you're buying your time back. Like there's nothing more valuable than your time. So what? Spend a little bit of money and you get some extra time. I'm like, you're fucking brilliant. You're right. I am keeping this cleaner. Yep. I tell, I tell my cleaner all the time. I love the fact that she loves her job. Yes. And so, and it frees me up to do what I love. And so it's a win-win. It is a win-win. Well, I am so happy we finally got to talk to you and learn about all the things you do. Because as I said, I've it's only I've only known you the last few years as like the the pelvis person. Pretty good. But you impressive. do a lot of things, Tara. And I'm super excited. And I will let the cat out of the bag now. I don't care how we have to do this. I don't care if we have to schedule her six months in advance. But we are bringing Tara here to Con Ed Institute. And we are going to have her offer some courses here because she has way too much to offer. And and we we want her here. Them. So yeah, the, what we will do is we will talk off mic and we're going to schedule some dates and you are going to teach some courses here because these people need to that. hear it, Tara. They need it. Yeah, I would love that. And like I said, I never, ever say that I'm the expert about anything because the minute I say that, stop listening to me. It means that I have pinpointed what I know into such a narrow focus that I'm not looking at anything else around it. I'm always open at exploring all other possibilities, but I believe that it's important for us to start somewhere. Absolutely. And I do love, um, you know, what you told me at the conference. What you told me was that um, you are teaching from a place of 
your understanding of the body. So you're explaining to people your understanding of the body. It doesn't mean what you have to say is gold or it's the only way, but you're sharing your knowledge. And uh, I just, I don't know. I liked that because you're not up there soapboxing and, you know, I'm, (laughs) I know everything. It's just, this is what I have learned in all of my experience. And you have a lot of experience. And I think that's why people relate to you well and why, why your courses do get such good feedback. So you're coming to Con Ed. It's happening. Thank you. I'm so excited about that. I really want to do it. Last question before we go, um, because Africa's come up a few times. How did this happen for you? Do you do volunteer work there? Do you like, why are you in Africa so often? Yeah, it's crazy how it happened. That's a whole podcast on its own. But I will say that um, I was just, I was, I was available to say yes. And so that's how it happened. And it wasn't comfortable. And the whole getting there was hard and it took a lot of work, but um It was rewarding. So we'll do a whole podcast and I'll just talk about that because I think that that would inspire a lot of people and maybe even just motivate them to realize what they could be doing here. You don't have to travel to Africa to do the great work that we do as massage therapists and osteopaths. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Tara. Thanks for hanging out with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, guys. Right on. You guys have a listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.